ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. My name is Jake, and I'm joined in the virtual studio, the sexed up virtual studio, um, thanks to the patrons who their generous monthly contribution has allowed us to upgrade vastly the video show experience. So make sure you go on over, sign up to the Patreon. Uh, so you too can get access to this er highly erotic content. Um, joined, as usual, by Sambo and Johnny. How are we, chaps? Pretty bloody fantastic. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little devastated, I'll be honest. I'm a little... A little, uh, a little, a little miffed with a with a certain uh, travesty that beset my day, but uh, I'll push through. <laughs> oh no! Yes, yeah, that's no good. So I'll, 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 I'll start us. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know in on my uh, the height of the problems I'm dealing with. Uh, went out for lunch, took the kids out to the park, and then afterwards went to the uh, cafe to pick up some chips. And a drink like and a lovely day already. But first, it was it was a, a beautiful weather. Couldn't ask for, for it to be nicer. Uh, first of all, the coffee machine was broken, so I was like, "Oh, well, I'll I'll get a uh, oh, I'd switched it off or something." I thought, I thought I'd get a cold drink, and I don't often get soft drinks. Okay, um, mm. but I thought, oh, they've got sarsaparilla, sarsaparilla in a glass bottle. My absolute oh. favorite. Now I I can't go sarsaparilla, but go past sarsaparilla when they've got it in a glass bottle had in big bottles or like smaller ones and i thought i'll go a big one and then i thought no 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 just restrain yourself reached up to the top next shop up grabbed it went did the business paid for everything got out in the car on the way home and realized i'd i'd grabbed a fucking portello and oh. it just it just ruined me it absolutely <laughs> absolutely wrecked me because now some now some people some people would say they're they're, they're very similar not so not so. A Portello is much closer to your creamy soda than, a, than it is to a sarsaparilla. I was going to say, uh, and I just sarsaparilla's got a unique flavor. Yeah, even texture to it. There's a texture. It's like carbonated uh, cough medicine, and it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's just really. I really like that. I really like that about it, and it just it it, it absolutely floored me. Uh, and uh, Loz had a bit of a laugh, and then realized that I was genuinely, genuinely just. <laughs> Just like this, no, nah, this is just. Uh, I'm so disappointed in myself. I didn't check. Mm. Someone's obviously put it back in the wrong spot, or I did just didn't check. Um, and <laughs> uh, it's it's taken me hours to recover. To be <laughs> to be honest, the whole thing was ruined. Chips weren't as I good because they tasted like ash in my mouth with this absolute bitch option of sarsaparilla. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say if I if I can just it direct. Those listening and watching, um, we're setting up a GoFundMe account for <laughs> Sam to help him deal with the tragedy. I'll to post pay, the link to in pay the show for notes. a uh, sarsaparilla. Looking to <laughs> looking to raise about six fifty if we can. Sarsaparilla, don't don't you think it's it's t tastes like something pulled out of the medicine cabinet? I think. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, sort it's of like, you, yeah. you covered that. It's it's but it's it's carbon. I don't know. It's something. Again. Look, look, look. On honestly, if it was if it was if the consistency was thick, it would be very cough medicine. You probably wouldn't drink it. Something about that taste combined with the bubbles and being a uh, a thin drinkable liquid 
it just it just really uh it really it really gets me it really <laughs> tickles my fancy uh and nothing else will do once i had my mind because we'd spoken about it too several days earlier we were talking about that in fact we mm. don't drink a lot we we're talking about coke and pepsi and that kind of thing and i and i then got in started waxing lyrical about sarsaparilla how it's the only one that i really can't pass up when i see it on the shelf it's hard <sighs> to pass up I'm Look, it's, it, it took all my effort to get here, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I had to uh, really pull myself together to, to, to come and record tonight. Understandable, but I'm the same. I can't go past a sarsaparilla. If you see one either at a, a supermarket or at a takeaway place, that's, that's the drink for me. Mm, especially in the glass bottle. If you can, if you can get yeah. the, uh, like the, um, oh, what's the, what's the brand I'm thinking of? They do the, the really classic ginger beer as well um oh yes like the stubby the stubby one what's the name stubby of that one. brand mm. oh my god bundy bundaberg yeah bundaberg ginger beer. yeah yeah there is bundaberg but there's another one i'm thinking of but it fucking doesn't matter anyway <laughs> but bundaberg is a really good one i think uh, <laughs> um yeah so anyway that was my that was my travesty so um job yeah yeah thanks for supporting me through this guy oh, i'm glad all good no worries like it's um it's understandable it's it's why it's worth asking your friends are you okay you know how have you been doing because you Reach just out. never know yeah. you picked up the wrong yeah thing what anyone's or... <laughs> That's right. someone yeah has has a sarsaparilla craving and they accidentally pick up a uh what did you pick up? Creamy soda? <laughs> I Portella. forgot what you drank. It might as well. Portella. Portella. It might oh as well God. have been. Totally different. Totally different. Um, totally different drinks. Now, look, oh, chaps, we've got yeah. a big, big show to get to here. There's a big show. Another big show. We've got a news recap uh, to get to. There's lots of things to cover there. There's a new VFLW head coach for the Cats. There's a new crop of Cats drafted in in the AFL men's. And then we're going to finish the show out with some AFLW and AFLM player grades as we begin the process of grading the performances of every man and woman who pulled on the hoops in 2022. But before that, Sam, there's something that we actually need to get to. Um, something I've already told to the Sarsaparilla story. I don't know. What... <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I know this is hard to believe. There's another, there's another story that we need to get to that developed out of the weekend. Um, and that was Johnny Larkin oh. entering the danger zone. And we've got it here, John. Um, I don't know, I don't know if danger approved danger. the wording of that, uh, of that particular <laughs> sentence, Jake. <laughs> what was that? What was, oh, that, I, that Johnny entered the danger zone? Uh, that, yeah. I went with that initially. Did you run um, it by his PR people? Or? Yeah. <laughs> I'm struggling here to try and find the right view that I want for this photo. The, but there we go. I, I still got the shirt on as well. John, ha John hasn't washed his shirt since Dan Not Patrick yet. Dangerfield's left hand firmly caressed uh, John's upper left shoulder mm. to neck area. Now, it looks um, like his thumb, thumb might have just strayed onto your made skin, skin contact? of your neck, John. Have you also wa not washed your neck? Not yet, no. I get some clean wrap, wrap it, wrap it yeah. around my neck when I have a shower. <laughs> yeah, I'll be wrapped with with, have you with two big rubber bands at either end. 
around your yeah. neck to make sure the cling wrap really sticks, stays there. Keep it warm. Have you thought about, you know, getting some some fingerprint dusting and dusting your shoulder and then having a tattoo artist oh. affix Dangerfield's thumb to your skin forever? I think that'd be that's, just a lovely little touch. That's a smart idea. Uh, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should. Yeah, absolutely should. But but Johnny, how was the experience? You went along to this meet Patrick Dangerfield. I'm assuming you didn't just ambush him in an alley somewhere and drag him into a footy club for a meal. Uh, how was no. the evening? How was it? You said, Johnny, that you were a bit speechless upon meeting the just danger. A bit. Just a little bit speechless. Uh, meeting the great mm. Paddy Dangerfield. But it, it also mm. started off really well on the, on the Friday evening. Um, during the AFLW's best and fairest, because I had put, uh, a little bid on a jumper, which I ended up winning yeah. because Michaela Bowen's <gasps> jumper. So I've come away Johnny! with Michaela's what jumper from the season, match worn jumper. So I'm yeah. very happy about that. And then, wow, obviously, the Saturday came around meeting Dangerfield. Um, yeah, just, just an absolute brilliant weekend and evening with Patrick Dangerfield. There wasn't a whole lot of people there, maybe 50, 60 people. Um, we could bet on having him sit at a table, but there was only four of us at our table, and I think the winning bid was $700, so just a bit out of our, out yeah, of our right. price range. But Fair enough. Hey, what? He is... Uh, genuinely nice guy. Didn't um have the didn't seem upset, angry at anyone. Always had the smile on his face. Mm. Happy to meet anyone. Got his signature yeah. as well. Took heaps of photos um with all the people he did. You can't show us where you got his signature, which is fair enough. I, even though we've I got a video format um, now. <laughs> it is on my other. Jumper, uh, <laughs> cat's jersey, jersey I've got. Um, mm. he, he signed the cat so well here. He, he, he signed the, the cat jersey that John has tattooed uh, yes. on his inner thigh. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> he felt a bit awkward, but he still did it like a true gentleman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, and probably then should have worn underwear that day, John, but uh, you can't know these things <laughs> in advance. <laughs> No, you need the no underwear so that it doesn't get in the way of the tent. That's right. And yeah. it's tattooed. <laughs> John, John oh, yeah, has a very strict no underwear policy at player fan meeting. It got to be loose. I think it's red. Yeah, you got to be loose. You don't want anything yeah. restricting blood. All natural. No, all natural. <laughs> but yeah, and then <laughs> the stories he was he was telling were very good. Just you know, recapping his time yeah. at Adelaide. The cats, a bit of the grand final, talked a bit about Selwood. Um, asked, I asked him who's going to be the next captain and gave a few names out, which mm. I think we all had suggested, apart from one, was we thought would be captain. Because he mm. reckons they've got about four or five, he said. They've got Blitz, Tom, Stewart, Duncan, and who else was it? I think that was it. Maybe just exactly. three. And then someone asked him, asked him a question about Atkins and how he's come up and if he just got his position from the coaches in his midfield or if he earned it. And Dangerfield said he really earned that position 
through his pressure, tackling, work commitment, just, you know, giving himself to the club and giving it all for the team. So he really earned that position. He said he's he could see him becoming a captain one day as well. So there's genuine mm-hmm. leadership qualities in young Atkins. So pretty pretty happy when I heard that. Especially since Addison on the table next to me asked who we thought the captain would be, and I said Tom Stewart or Tom Atkins. Oh, nice. Love it. Yes. Johnny. Johnny. Well connected. Um, Brilliant night. Um, Enjoyable night. Good stories. A few, you know, got a bit sad and depressing towards the end of the Adelaide time because of when... um, Mm. Don Pike, no, not Don Pike. Um, is it Don Pike? I can't uh, remember which. Uh, yeah, the the, the the name has escaped me. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Phil Walsh, Phil Walsh, where yes. he was murdered. Dangerfield said, mm. you know, went through his role in alerting the players. So yeah, it was that was a bit sad and depressing, and sort of still looks like it, you know, affects him a little bit, but he's. Still able to talk about it, and then yeah, onto the Geelong stuff, which was really good. And just talking about how well, well the Cats are, and what a fantastic club. And there's no name blaming or blaming or saying this person did didn't do their job right when the Cats lose. Instead, they normally try and treat it as, you know, it's a loss. It happens. Let's move mm. on from this. Let's talk about it. They don't go off in little corners and discuss things between two people when they lose it's a group thing they all get in the room and talk it through yeah it's well it's it's because they know johnny that if they ever want some you know highly critical feedback they can always just log on to twitter um and you know the 20 to thirty thousand assistant coaches that they've got on there can always provide some very insightful feedback for them he also mentioned mentioned um, the uh, the you know that side of the AFL, and he said that is one side of the media that players really struggle with. You know, some players can just switch off from it, not look at it, then they have a good game, they look at it, see all the nice things mm. people are saying about them, and then he said it can be a real tailspin when they don't play a good game, and then they hear all the negative stuff, and it says, yeah, some players can't switch off from that mm. but yeah overall, yeah we can imagine it'd be pretty tough yeah overall it's a fantastic evening well i'm very fucking glad you got to go and experience it johnny johnny in the danger zone uh but now let's move on to news uh, I will, recap i will say one yes, thing if it's good. yes i'm not sure if he listens but Thanks to Alex's dad, Alex's um, kid I work with, who I took to the event for purchasing the tickets for myself and Alex. And yeah, big thanks to him for getting them for me and his son. So yeah, enjoyed the evening so much and can't wait. Hopefully it can happen again. Absolutely love it. Hopefully it can happen again next year when we're celebrating back-to-back premierships. Let's move on with some news. And the first spot of news, Sam, I'm flicking to you first here. Give John's vocal flaps 
an opportunity to ease their strain after the recounting of an epic evening spent in the danger zone <laughs> spending an evening in the danger zone <laughs> yes needs to uh, yes uh, needs to he uh, certainly uh, needs to let his uh, let his throat i'll happily return to the danger zone <laughs> all right let's um let's get on with um this part of the the, the evening which is new coach at the VFLW level, and that is Elise Coventry, who will take over her first season in charge of the VFLW team. Um, now, Elise Coventry has been part of the coaching staff. She's been a part of the, the Cats AFLW setup. She used to be an AFLW listed player for the Cats um, and was then moved, as far as I know, into VFLW coaching. Uh, as part of the defense, I think she was a player coach in in the AFL uh, in the VFLW. She transitioned from coaching the defensive group in the VFLW to coaching the defensive group in the AFLW. So she's been in charge of that, you know, part of the ball uh, on defense, and now she's got the opportunity to move up into the job as VFLW head coach. And the angle I was interested, Sam, in the um, article up on cats, uh, geelongcats.com by Susie Geese. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that surname right. If I'm not, someone tweet at me. Um, is that there's a lot of talk in here. And there's a quote from Elise Coventry saying, as the foot whole footy world knows, there was a lot of growth in our AFLW season this year. So I'm be taking snippets of that and putting it into the VFLW program. So we're educating girls around that style of play and we how we want that to look. And there's a lot of talk throughout this article about, um, you know, she goes on to say that she feels supported by the club. They're really invested heavily in me coaching and female coaches in particular. I still have so much to learn, but I'm fully supported by Dan Lowther, who will oversee the program and mentor me through that, as well as our assistants, who are returning assistants, so they'll play a big part of the game plan and how it looks. Sambo, it seems to me like there's a lot of harmony sort of being brought into play here for the Cats AFLW side. Like There's this real development of a cohesive system at both levels which I think is pretty fucking exciting. What, what about you? Where are you at with this? Uh, yeah, it is very exciting. I mean, from a purely like uh, results uh, base, it obviously makes sense. The, um, the mm. AFLW Cats had a lot more success than they've had previously. So obviously you'd want to replicate what they're doing. Um, I don't 100% know the ins and outs of the of the business and the way even the, the AFL and VFLW bodies work but i would have to hazard a guess that as we have less expansion teams coming in you know we, we like as you approach uh the full competition that over the years and going forward it's going to sort of normalize a bit like there won't be so much of this getting your guts ripped out to go to a new club so you can probably there probably is more incentive to keep the vflw and the aflw level on the same page Whereas beforehand, it just mm. kind of like it just seemed like a real, um, 
it seemed a little bit like the Wild West in the offseason as to where, where players were yeah. ending up and where you could take them from. So I feel like it's not only just the fact that they've looked at it and gone, oh, they they did well, we'll copy that. Um, I think it's probably also this this feeling of going, the competition seems to be getting to a, a it seems to be normalising a bit. It seems to be evening out, and so the mm. off-seasons will more closely resemble what you'd like an off-season to look like. There can be more stability, and that will allow uh much more focused development i guess it's worth putting in the mm. time to develop players and bring them up through the ranks if you know you can you can hopefully keep them as i said i don't 100 percent know the working in the workings of the aflw or how it's going to change but that's that makes sense to me that we're not going to be having mm. you know all these teams come in every year <laughs> and just gut everybody um so that's that's the other the other element of it um and I think it, it's it's worked really well as as much as we don't like to just say oh they you know they're going to do what the men did the way that the mm. the the AFLW the AFL and VFL men's have operated uh, is also worth emulating uh, and I think there's a, there's a bit of that here as well um, so it's it can only be it can only be a good thing I think I don't see how. This, I don't see why you wouldn't be excited about this. This sounds like they're going for a really streamlined approach. Um, they're going for, a, if, if they're starting to coach this way at the VFL level, then you don't have to do all the work at the AFLW level once, once they come up. So I think mm. that's really good. And I, and I imagine it's not only about game style, but it's also about game mentality. You know, we've talked about the ability to put a game away, how to win when you've got the chance against a better a better side. So I think there's lots of those sort of things that rather than make them personal for the, for individual players, they're making them systemic. So these will be things that are ingrained in the culture of the team from the amateur level all the way up. So yeah, it's, it's really exciting. I don't know. I think we'll see benefits for, from it this coming season, but we probably won't really see how that looks for another couple of seasons once they've had they've been able to do this at all the different levels and work together. So yeah, I'm really excited mm. not only for next year, but say two, three seasons down the line, like where where the club's at. Yeah, absolutely. Johnny, uh, I imagine you probably echo a lot of what Sam said there, but it, like yeah. it's it's another exciting chapter in Cat's footy that we're sort of building this this you know, um, synchronized style of, of what cat's footy looks like, because there's a lot of similarities really in, in the approach that the men's and women's teams both took in 2022 in terms of building from a high pressure level, moving the footy, you know, quick, you know, and hitting the opponent, you know, swiftly after you've turned them over. So, um, yeah, I'll just open up if you've got any sort of thoughts to close this topic out. Yeah, it just goes to show what the Cats think of the women's team and the men's team as, you know, they're not two hugely separate teams. They're teams are part of the one club, and you can really see that starting to really take shape. And tell you what, having the Cats defensive coach from the AFLW coach of the AFLW, well, we're seeing how great that defensive unit worked this year how well they gelled as a team, as a unit, worked together extremely well. 
really got in each, other, in each other's way, knew how each other played. Mm. So I think having Commentary do what she did for the defence and then put it over the whole team, yeah, I think it's really exciting. I think she can bring a new dimension, new insight, something exciting, gel the team really well together. Um, I think, you know, even just a female coach could have a big impact on the on the woman playing. And, you know, it's, it's just another one of them coaching them. It's not some other mm. guy. It's not a man, male telling a woman how to play. It's, you know, a woman teaching women how to play this great game. And, you know, there can only be positives. There may be a bit more, um, more women might be feel more comfortable to express what they want to do and what they can't do more so than what they could do a male. So I think mm. there's positives on every single level that you look at this and yeah, I agree with Sam. Might be a couple of years, but once those couple of years are done, it, these two teams, uh, I think they're going to be something special. Well, and, and I think too, as, as you know, it's great to see diversity in coaching. However, that presents itself that it's not all just ex men's players. You know, no matter what it, no matter what that looks like, like I'm, I'm all for diversifying the perspectives we have in football, whether that's in media, whether that's in, you know, training or or playing group, whatever it might be. I, th I think that that the more diverse array of voices, the better uh, for finding solutions um, to the, you know, problems uh, that the league faces. Uh, that the sport faces. Um, but I think importantly too, Elise Coventry is someone who's gone through the system. You know, she's been a part, she's been an AFLW rostered, um, you know, player. So, so that means that, you know, she's been through these experiences. She's she's had these experiences. So I, I think she's going to be a, a great sort of um, source of knowledge for the players and i think she mentioned in, in the article that she has a background in teaching which i believe dan lowther also does so you know that's that's great from that perspective of communication and support you know identifying not only you know how you want to teach people but how different people learn and being able to adapt your approach so i think it's great i think that the, the w side of the cats club has a brilliant pair of head coaches in place and i'm i'm fucking excited to see what happens from here on out uh let's move on to talk about the draft chaps um that the afl men's draft is now complete obviously jai clark who has been billed as you know the future selwood which is a lot of fucking pressure I i'm just happy for jai clark yep. to be the next jai clark let's see how he goes i don't think that they should give him joel selwood's number 14 there's a lot of fans going give him the number 14 retire that number you know, for an extended period of time or something, that the kid, Retire the kid until, does until not need Salwood's kid plays, maybe. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Like no one needs that fucking pressure. Um, but we've sort of talked a lot about Jai Clark. We've talked a lot too about Oscar Riccardi. We've we sort of spoke about both of these guys, but there's three other lads who were taken in this draft, and they are uh, Norwood slash South Australian tall phoenix foster who was taken with pick 52 in the national draft name. what a name that phoenix is. i know phoenix foster 
It's pretty epic. Um, and they've also selected Oscar Murdoch, who was a defender from the Geelong Falcons in the rookie draft, and Ted Closey, um, who was part of Geelong's Next Generation Academy, also added as a Category B rookie. Now, chaps, I don't know. Ha- have you guys seen much of these guys? If you haven't, I'll I'll, I'll head on over to our Rookie Me Central website a, and give you a quick. I had a quick uh, look at Phoenix Foster's um, little short video. Yeah, I, I, I like the look of his game style. He's a big, tall forward, you know, big bodied, and got a frame that he can build a great rig around so i think i think he if he can stay a cat and get gets the opportunities that he wants i think i think he could become a very key asset to the cat's forward line once um our big man hawk decides to pull the pin whenever whenever that is but i think i think there's a definitely a spot there for phoenix foster up in the forward line uh, i saw a couple of great jumping crashing marks that he took over other guys got a nice kick um yeah it just seems like he's got a good forward craft about him yeah he he um came into the side i believe he was actually um he wasn't the lead ruck it was just reading this off the rookie me central um profile um they described him as somewhat of a surprise packet for south australia at the national championships uh, when lead ruck Harry Barnett was late withdrawal from a game due to COVID, Foster took the opportunity with both hands, was named one of South Australia's best players uh, in their win against the Allies. So impressive was his performance that he retained his position in the side throughout the championships, playing in all except one game. Um, described as a strong aerial athlete, competes well in the air, able to hold onto the mark or bring the ball to ground. Um, yeah, and, and can play ruck or present as a lead-up option around the ground. Um, and people should go, if you don't already visit it, go on over to Rookie Me Central. It has both AFLW and AFL men's draft profiles on so many players. It's just a fucking incredible resource. So go on over to that. Um, Foster managed a goal in every one of his appearances for Norwood in the under-18s this year, finishing with 26 majors from 11 games. Um an average 2.18 contested marks per game, which was good for third highest in the league, um, trailing only a couple of state teammates. So I really like the sound of him. And obviously the, the t- these tall guys sometimes take a little while to develop. Uh, Sambo, this is one I want to throw to you to talk about. Um, and that is Ted Closey, right? So mm-hmm. Ted Closey is a young, young gun. Strengths, contested game, tackling, and work rate. Areas needed of improvement, kicking and working in the outside area of the field. So he's described in this thing a strong inside bull for the Geelong Falcons this season. Um, played with an incredible level of consistency in the NAB League through 2022. He only dropped below the 20 disposal mark once in his 10 games, displaying his hunger to win every contest around the ground. Um, the, the one thing they're saying in here is that when he has been moved outside in the midfield, he still plays more like an inside midfielder where he would go in and attack the ball rather than wait on the outside to get the, the handball out. Um, and they're just saying that's an area where he could improve 
likewise his kicking. But if you go into this draft profile, there's a guy with a hard-nosed look about him, uh, a, a buzzed hairdo that reminds me very much of a young, raw Tom Atkins type Sambo. Like, what are your thoughts about bringing a player like this into the Cats? Uh, well, I think we've seen great results from having this <laughs> these type of players, mm. you know. So um, I think it works. I'm not sure exactly the age difference there, but it probably works really well that he'll sort of potentially, I imagine the idea is he'll follow Atkins up to the point where Atkins then takes the captaincy, as I'm sure he will, uh, and <laughs> takes on a bit more responsibility around the ground and we'll, we'll maybe have Closey to step in and do some of that um the more the grunt work, the the moment to moment grunt work a little bit more mm. when uh, when Atkins, you know, has either you know moved on to a, a different position because I think Atkins is pretty versatile too. I think that's one of the things we we forget that yeah. I think he probably has a lot of skills that play uh, a lot uh, in a lot of positions around the ground. Um, and speaking of like future captains and stuff, he's also obviously got leadership qualities because he was the the vice captain, I think. For the Falcons, uh, closey. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, it sounds like he's. It's another one of those culture players, a player that's may, maybe got a couple of rough edges here and there to be to be ironed out. But I think, I think the Cats always go for those players over the silky smooth, but maybe not the right kind of personality. Um, they and they mm. the the more time goes on, the more they seem to be focused in on that on going. Getting the person with the right temperament that fits with the group um, can maybe mirror some things that older players do, but bring their own stuff. Um, but then we can we can teach them that other that other stuff. We can you know that can be taught. We've got a great development department, so I don't think they're worrying about any kind of shortcomings with his, um, you know, with his playing style or his you know his tendency to to, to play a particular way. I'm sure versatility can come. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm really excited about that. It's a, it's a potential, um, really invigorating player to watch someone that'll be able to break open a game. Mm. So yeah, no, I, I obviously haven't seen, seen much, but everything I've read, I've read sounds really exciting. He's, um, if you played 10 games for the Geelong Falcons in the, in the NAB league, um, this year and had, so played the 10 games, 73 tackles. So he averaged 7.3 tackles per game, averaged 23.5 disposals per game. So like you love that as a raw sort of skill set to develop around. I think, that, who knows? It, it, it's a long way from here to, to starting in the AFL, but you just don't, I, I'm with you. I love that they're taking these, these raw guys who are local, who, as you said, have, have a certain temperament, certain work ethic, and in Geelong's midfield, you don't have to be rushed in in year one. It's deep. No. There are players ahead of you, so you can take your time to develop. Um, Johnny, I'll throw to you for this final one uh, that we want to talk about, and that's Oscar Murdoch, uh, who also, I believe, yeah, comes out of the Geelong Falcons. Now, he's a defender. Strengths on Rookie Me Central listed as an intercept marking, his strength and contested work, area of improvement needs to work on his kicking consistency um they talk in, in in the draft profile about him being able to kick short to medium really well um but it's it, it's further down the field 
that he can sometimes struggle. And they also said that he could probably develop some positional versatility. Right now, he's able to play as a defender. He hasn't really played anywhere else, but he, he can play as a defender. He can guard talls. He can guard smalls. So at least I guess there's that dynamism in his work as a defender. Um, what do you think about drafting a player like Oscar Murdoch to that back line? I mean, it seems like another one for the defender factory to to develop. Absolutely. Um, sort of sounds like SDK Jr. in a way. You know, strong aerial, strong one-on-one, pretty good in the short to medium kick. Um, mm. uh, no, no, I haven't seen his long kicking, but you know, SDK's long kicking is fantastic. But um, yeah, Murdoch, I think I think he will develop into a really good defender um, if he wants to continue down that way and the Cats, you know, train him up for that position. Mm. There's definitely a spot there for him in the like, near future, not too distant future probably. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be same as um, just, um, close here, a couple of years of development to really get that body built ready for AFL, there's no rush mm. as well to get him in there because we've still got solid defensive unit. But it's just good to know that, as you said, Jack, they're getting these young local guys, positions that in the future are going to need needed to be filled and they just continue to mm. get those right guys, you know, come in and develop them, immerse them in the culture and the structure of the cats. So, you know, they go, this is a pretty fucking fantastic place to be. Why would mm. I want to be anywhere else? Um, yeah, and I think, I think yeah, pretty much the same with Closier. Yeah, a couple of years, training, development, um, getting the body right, maybe trying a few different positions here and there. Um, it seems like he could be another staff at Cats Defensive Unit. And who knows, him and SDK mm. could become the next power defense unit. Yeah, it's really interesting when you look at Oscar Murdoch's profile in here in, in Rookie Me Central, and I'm gonna I'll, I'll try and put a link to each of these draft profiles, or at least to just the website. And you can go in and punch the names in and, and have a look um, in the show notes. Um, listed at being 190 centimeters tall and 91 kilos in weight, that pretty much puts him in exactly the same physical range as Tom Stewart. Tom Stewart is 1.9 meters, he, and Stewart on Google is listed as 88 kilos. Don't know if that's right or not, but he's right in that sort of 1.9 meters around the 90 kilo mark. So it's a pretty good body type to have back there um, with that diversity to play on talls or smalls. Um, I think it's a pretty good little draft hand for the Cats. You know, when you take into account everything else that Geelong's been able to add this cycle. it, you know, you think about Ocean Mullen coming in, you think about, um, you know, Bose, Brune coming in as well. Like it, it's just been uh, Ollie Henry. You go from being like, oh, the cats are too old to suddenly the cats are bringing in a lot of young talent. Some of it already developed, some of it in need of development, but it's it feels so, right now a little bit of an embarrassment of riches for the cats. I did forget to say one thing that Dangerfield did say. He said, yes. he's talking about last year's prelim. And, you know, everyone was saying, we're too old, we're too slow. So then we won this year's premiership. 
like, tell you what, it was really nice to hear people say you're too old, too slow, and we could just say we're too good. Yes. Yes, that's right. Like, that's right. Change the field. <laughs> I really I enjoyed that moment. Absolutely. Um, that was a great moment, the unfurling of that banner that one of our listeners had made. Um, yeah, finally revealing the too good. Um, <laughs> peeling back that tab on the banner. All right, let's close the show out, my chaps, uh, with a little wheel of grades, grading time. Um, we have randomized players, and this is where you'll be hearing a little bit of this. Uh, moving forward across the offseason, we're going to grade a letter grade, you know, from F. I don't think there's going to be too many Fs through to A plus. Um, every player that played for the AFLW side, that played for the AFL men's side in the 2022 seasons. Um, so let's crack in. And if you sign up for the Patreon, you can come on over and have a look because we've got a whole graphical component to this part of the show. Um, th that we're going to be able to engage in here. Now, um, we're going to get started here. So I just fire this up. Um, the first player, first cab off the rank that I want to have a look at. Let's see if I've got this set up right. I want to go back to slide one. Slide one. Let's start with Georgie Rankin. We'll go through the AFLW players first. And then we'll get to the AFL men's players. So, Sambo, you are on deck to rank Georgie Rankin. Um, mm -hmm. Average 6.6 .6 disposals per game this year. So, not a high disposal count, but a high efficiency rate. 74%, which was good for sixth on the team. 3.5 intercepts per game, seventh on the team. She was dependable, played all 11 games, the 10 regular season and the final down at Cadinia Park. I know she's also one of your favorite players. Um, mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts and what's your grade for 2022 season two for Georgia well, Rankin? Just to go through some, some technicalities of the ranking system for people that might not have been listening Please. last time we did Wheel of Grades. This is like, it's not comparing, this is not Georgie Rankin versus Amy McDonald versus Georgie Prosparkins. This is correct. Georgie Rankin's F. Versus Georgie Rankin's A plus, it's it's just ranking yeah. them on a scale of what we think their potential is. Taking everything involved, you know, someone that's going to be difficult will be Rachel Kearns. Didn't play a lot of games, obviously, so that won't. The fact that she didn't play a lot of games and one of the games wasn't her best doesn't mean she'll be like an F, because <laughs> we will take mm. into account yeah how many games she missed coming back, rah rah, rah all that kind of stuff. So it's taking those things into account. Um, yeah. and, and with that in mind, um, uh, I, I think Georgie Rang was a, a solid B plus this year. Um, mm -hmm. I think yeah, I nice. could, I could even make an argument for an A because I think it's one of those things where she's, she's serving her role in the team, the way she's there to serve it, mm. the way the team wants her to serve it. Um, she's not a headline grabber. She's not setting the pitch mm. absolutely on fire every time she goes near the ball. Um, but I think, I do think compared to other years, maybe I think if she wasn't quite at her ceiling this year is all I would, all I would say. There's, there's yeah. a couple, a couple of things here and there. 
Um, and part of that is maybe because the whole team was so strong and she wasn't called upon to do that a lot. But I think I think a B plus. I think her her work around the ball, off the ball, with the other teammates, even off the off the park, like she's just so ingrained in the culture mm. at the Cats. Um, you know her her effort for the for the club goes above and beyond. She do, does a lot of press, a lot of podcasts, a lot of advertising for their you know their facilities and and Pride Week and the the inclusiveness of the Cats and all that stuff. So, um. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a, a B plus. I think the, the the main reason she gets a high grade for me is because not like you said, Jake, not a lot of disposals, but not a lot of mistakes. You know, yeah. we watched every game of the year very closely. You know, often rewatching them, I, I can think of two times mm. where I saw her make a genuine mistake, which is that's a pretty pretty impressive uh turnout i think um and i think she's she's mm. a leader um she really is someone that the rest of the squad looks to uh to set the example and i i think she did that so yeah waffled on a bit but b plus for me i think she's she's great and i don't think oh. you can mu- you can ask much more than that from, uh, from no I, t- I totally agree I think it was in that, yeah, as you said, a B plus to A minus kind of range. I think that's that's perfect. Like you said, not quite the ceiling, but I think a lot of these players in the AFLW too, their roles are changing. They're having to take on mm. less of the load or, or or different areas of responsibility on the field as these new players come through. So, yeah, no, absolutely. So we'll go Georgie Rankin, a B plus. I believe she and Kate Darby won jointly won an award at the cats um uh, presentation night which i think was last night or the night before um which was to do i think with community engagement and that sort of thing off the top of my head i read a bit of a story but anyway just speaks to what you were saying johnny you're next up on deck and you will be grading chloe sheer now chloe sheer 13 goals this season 1.2 per game Good for first on the team. Marks, three per game, which was third on the team. Score involvements, 47, which led the team. But was this was an interesting year because it was a bit of a tale of two seasons, Johnny. You know, didn't kick a lot of goals the first five games. And then when Shelly Scott moved forward, Chloe Shear kicked goals in buckets the second half of the season. What do you think about Chloe Shear's season? What's your analysis? What is your grade? Well, um analysis is first half of the season wasn't so great she didn't even kick a goal in the first five games um first four games she kicked three in the fifth game against st kilda that being sam rat that was when shelly scott Mm. first moved into that forward line and you could just see sheer just burst onto the scene into a in a major major way she started taking Big marks, um, kicking great goals, bringing the ball to ground if she wasn't taking the marks, you know, applying a bit of pressure here and there, um, leading mm. up really well. Also getting up up that ground, trying to impact on the in the midfield as well, trying to help them out. Um, yeah, just a just a really fantastic second half. And I was I've been thinking about this all day, trying to think of a, a good Good grade, and the more I looked into the season, more I looked at um, you know, that first half where it just wasn't happening for her. It. it just wasn't, you know, nothing was mm. clicking. 
wasn't able to get great marks, getting shots and goals wasn't happening for her. Seemed a bit lost out in the forward line. Mm. And then, yeah, as soon as Shelley Scott came in, supported her, you could just, yeah, that was, still remember that St. Kilda game and just the way she was able to tear St. Kilda apart along with Shelley Scott was impressive. And just the confidence, just you could see building her from there on was impressive. So I'm, I'm going to have to give her an A plus, I think. I don't think it can't be anything yeah. other than an A plus, especially for such a, a slow start to a season. And then from round five to mm. 11, hit 13 goals, get three marks per game third on the team, mm. 47 score involvements, um, first in team for goals, all that, like everything she did in that really happened in that last six games. So I think, I think it really shows the character, the strength, the, her ability to not get inside her own head and go, I'm having a bad first half of the season. How's this going to get better? But really find a way to fight and mm. fight for the team and herself. And yeah, super impressed by her season. So, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I think that's fair. And, you know, I mean, she made the All-Australian squad, so it's pretty hard to look yeah. past an A+. plus for a player who who is recognized pretty broadly as one of the best forwards in the game. I like that. I'm hoping, you know, I think she could crack 20 goals if she plays like that second half of the season all year, which would be a, a, an Good awesome play. achievement. Um, all right, I'll round us out with the AFLW section here. I'm going to grade Laura Gardner now. She averaged 10.2 disposals per game, which was 11th on the team. 3.3 tackles per game, eighth on the team. 2.4 marks per game, which was 10th on the team. And was making progress in season number three of AFLW footy. Now, the thing with Laura Gardner for me is she plays a thankless role in that if you think about Geelong's midfield, you instantly think Amy McDonald or Georgie Prasparkas or Nina Morrison or sometimes Becky Webster floating through, you know, on the wing. You know, Laura Gardner is often playing as that fourth or fifth midfielder, um, you know, and so she's not winning those big clearance numbers. She's not winning those big disposal numbers, you know, because she's playing less game time. H however, I, I did think that you could see progress happening in her game. I thought her inside game has always been strong. She's more than willing to crack in to the contest and, and get a ball out to somebody in space. She's more than happy to, you know, to tackle and apply pressure. Her marking is actually an underrated part of her game. I think for someone who plays, you know, as I said, like the fourth or fifth midfielder, depending, you know, how the rotation sort of works on a given day to, to have the 10th most marks per game. I think that's, that's a really underrated part of her sort of, um, performance, she's made progress. Like, I, I don't know that she's going to burst on the scene, you know, in, in the same way that your Prasparkas, Morrison, or McDonald's will. But you need these players. You need fourth and fifth midfielders. We said that when they went into the game against the Crows, we said, well, how's it going to look when Geelong can't have you know, when they've got to give Amy McDonald a rest, when they've got to give Nina Morrison a rest, you know, at the contest, we've got to get Prasparkas a rest at the contest. How will Geelong's midfield 
field go once it gets down in depth. And I thought we held up really well in that game against the Crows. I, I thought Laura Gardner really competed hard. Um, I think there is room to grow for Laura Gardner. I like that she added a couple of goals to her resume this season. Um, and I think that's something, you know, t- to add to the bow is, is goal kicking. All that said, I think she's in a similar area to that sort of Georgie Rankin B plus to A minus. I think I'll go a B plus. Uh, pr- would probably love to see a little bit more improvement just in the disposal efficiency. I think she was around 55%. I think, you know, there, there are players, you know, around the team who, who show, you know, you can be an inside midfielder where, you know, you're, you're really good at winning the ball around the contest and, you know, you can still be really efficient with it, whether by hand or by foot. So that that's the one thing I guess I would look for her to, to, to improve on. But I think a B-plus year is, is pretty good for Laura Gardner and, and obvious signs of progress in her footy um, this season. Yep, I agree. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's uh, I think that's perfectly uh, readable and very, very well articulated. No, I agree with that. Yes, me too. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. Well, I, I, we're sort of snaking here because the next the next cab off the rank um, is Jed Buse, who Busey. I shall be reviewing. Busey is interesting. I feel like in some ways I'm recapping, I, I, I'm grading two similar players here, not necessarily in their, their positional role on the team, um, but the way they contribute. Now, Jed Buse ranked 13th on the team for tackles with 43. He ranked 11th on the team for pressure acts with 253, and he ranked 12th on the team with 14 intercept marks. But for me, Jed Bue's contribution goes beyond what the stat sheet shows. For me, he's a heart and soul role player. Now, he's not going to get a ton of the footy. He's not going to be in your top you know, three or four for, for tackles or pressure acts or marks or whatever it might be. But Jed Buse is just this sort of dashing, like, tough guy off the back line, along a wing. He's kind of underrated in his ability to have a little bit of sparkle to his game, a bit of flair. Loves to fake a player out and take a run and a bounce. But I just think it's, it's, it's the intangible sort of qualities to him that make him such a key cog in that back line. Again. Yes, you've got your Sam DeConing. Yes, you've got Tom Stewart. Yes, you've got Zach Tui and, and Zach Guthrie and all these other guys. But, you know, I think a, pre- a premiership team can often really be measured by the strength of its depth. It's not how good is your top two defenders. It's how good are, are your fifth and sixth guys. Hmm. You know, I think that's true in sports around the world. So it's enough to have, you know, say three players who are elite. But what about the rest of the roster? What about once you get down to, you know, like in an AFL situation, you know, the, the, the 30th and 40th players who are signed onto the roster, how strong are they? And I think that's where Buse is in this team. How strong are your guys, you know, in, in, in that sort of 16 to 22, 24 kind of range? And, and, and Busey is strong. Um, and he, he doesn't sparkle in the limelight. He sparkles outside of it. Um, I think for a Jed Buse season, I, I'd give him an A minus for this year. I nice. think he, he played his role. It's different to the role of other players, 
I'm giving Jed Buse an A minus. It's pretty hard to look past premiership players, um, you know, who, <laughs> yeah. who contribute. I, I think I think his mental- work. His, his mentality is important too. Like as much as like mm, you said, he yeah. shines not in the not in the spotlight. He's also like not someone that shies away for a challenge. Like he's a bit of a he's a little bit of a yes. pest. Like I know I know when we were talking to uh, yeah. our mate Jacko, the Bulldogs fan, pre. Bulldog game about who would go to what player, who we thought. And it made sense to me, and I think it did eventuate this way, that Buse would go to Waitman or Bailey Smith. So I was like, you want someone that's going to like not be put off by their flair, not be put off, off by the sort of mm. the show, the showmanship that those kind of like attention grabbing players bring. And I think that's, I think that's views. I think he would thrive on being given the notorious player on being able to, like, I think he'd really mm. enjoy being able to fuck with someone that people expect to be really yeah. good. Do you know, he's not a, just, even though he's not a big numbers player, he's not a put my head down and get the job done player. He actually like, I think really he's likes a boxer. to ruin someone's day. Yeah. He's a, he's a tactician and a bit of a, a little bit of a, a, a quiet yeah. showman in a weird way. Yeah. Here's, here's a, a chat that Jacko and I had the other day, which was about hockey enforcers in ice hockey. You know how in hockey, there's generally a player who will throw the gloves down if, if you know, that the team needs someone to fight. And we were talking about, well, who, imagine if you had that in the AFL, who would it be? And I was like, oh, I can imagine Zach Tui. I can imagine, you know, Tommy Atkins. And then I was like, I feel like Jed Buse mm. would function as Geelong's ice hockey enforcer. Just you need it to be. You need it to be the. Per, you need it to be the person that's not getting everyone's attention back on message. Do you know what I mean? Your Joel Salwoods, your Tom yeah. Atkins, your Zach, your Zach Tuies are going all right, guys. But like, apart from this thing that's happening, like they've got a leadership. You need the guy that's just going to focus in on on winning that little little microcosm of the game. And I think I think you're yeah, right. Totally. I think that's mm. I think I think yeah, you said he, he dances around a few players. I think he really loves when he does that when he's able to just mm. trick players into going loves I'm gonna to go make us nah, nervous. Going. Makes them yeah, makes them loves to make us nervous, but also <laughs> I think he loves to make a fool of the other players. Yeah. And just the way he's able to mm. dance around oppositions is crazy. Especially in deep defense where he's got the ball and he's like steps back, <laughs> steps aside and gets to around four players mm. like it was nothing. So yeah, I think yeah, mm. A minus is I'm happy with that because I think what he brings is um, one that you can't teach. I don't think you can teach players to remain that calm under immense pressure and just mm. find a way to dance yourself out of trouble. Yeah, no, and, and as Sam said at the top, this is about grading players against themselves, against their role. You know, you can't really, it's, it's kind of useless to compare to try and grade the performance of, of Buse against Dangerfield or Buse against Cameron. Um, but speaking of other players, Johnny, you are up next, and we're looking at Mitch Duncan. He averaged 23.4 disposals per game, second most on the team. His efficiency, 79%, fifth best on the team. He led the team in uncontested possessions, 17.4 of his 23.4 disposals per game coming in space, and I describe him here, Johnny. He's an astronaut. He thrives in space in 2022. <laughs> Get him the ball in a bit of real estate, and he'll Call him drive. Buzz. 
you thought. Oh. That's right. What, what, were you, what was your thoughts on Duncan, Johnny? Uh, well, what a what a season by Duncan. It's, it's probably one of his seasons where he nearly went unsighted for most of it. He was just doing his thing in that sort of half back position where he would just float back, playing himself from the center, half back, and just patrol there and wait for the ball to come his way. And then he would pounce. And the way he pounced on the ball and other opposition players just freed up that defensive unit to work so well. And also, it made the other opposition teams super nervous knowing that Duncan was just sitting there waiting, waiting for the ball. And then also knowing mm. that Zach Tui is there and mm. um, Isaac and- Smith is also there. It's yeah, just a way he was able to control that area. He had his own. His own patch, it felt like, on any ground was just his control. And then when he did get it, he's one of, if not one of the best kicks, if not the best kick on the Cats team for leading boards, he can pass it Mm. perfectly to anyone. He's got a great hoof, great goal sense as well. He can kick really good goals. And I just really liked his role this year, just being that sort of like NFL quarterback type guy, you know, Standing back, watching play, directing players, you know, you need to be over here at this point or over there. Don't come too mm. close to me because this is my area. And then just attacking. And I loved his attack when he was able to. And just, yeah, that freedom that I think Chris Scott gave him was exceptional. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give him an A plus as well. I think just the way he was able to demand space, demand the ball put the absolute fear of himself in opposition teams was also really impressive and just also mm-hmm. being able to free up that defense to play the way they did and to work the way they did was yeah just a a plus i reckon i think it's probably also shouldn't go without mention how much he was able to step in when stewart was out that I think yeah, we, we have had a lot of talk about assuming it would be sort of Jack Henry and SDK that really stu- stepped into that Stuart role. Um, but it was it was more Duncan a lot of the time. And he, um, yeah, I thought he uh, he probably padded his year's stats quite well with that little, <laughs> that little <laughs> section there, I reckon. Definitely. Well, they, all, they almost split. And, uh, you know, you, you can't always replace the impact of one player with another one player. And it sometimes felt like they almost split Stewart's role in the team to multiple guys. It was sort of like, well, Zach Guthrie, um, you know, uh, Sam DeConing, those guys, Jake Collajasny, they're going to be able to take those intercept marks, those contested intercepts, which isn't necessarily Duncan's strong suit. But that but driving he did, he long did take kick. a few of them though, just just quickly. He did take mm. a few. I remember going, Oh, sure. that's um awesome. And thinking it was one person, then going, Oh no, it must be Collar. Oh no, it's it's, it's fucking Duncan that's done it. <laughs> yeah, and, and and then just like the ability to drive the attack forward. Like he was so often felt like one of those link men, um, you know, from from defense into attack. Um yeah, I felt like we were getting the most out of him. Like the the skill set that he has at this stage in his career and that sort of thing. It was like he was used to perfection. Um, I really agree with your ranking, Johnny. Sambo, see us home with another player from the defensive unit. Sam DeConing, 
He averaged 5.2 marks per game, seventh on the team. He was first on the team, though, in intercept marks at 2.9 per game. He faced three contested defensive one-on-ones per game, which was first on the team. I think the next closest person faced 1.7 per game, and he only lost 0.7 contested defensive one-on-ones per game. So he, he lost one, you know less than one per game. Um, a young prince with a future as king, Sambo. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, that, great. That, 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 that sums it up very well. Uh, I think he's sort of trying to think back. I think he's he's sort of at the opposite end to most of the players we've spoken about. Definitely, um, you know, compared to Duncan and also Rankin, who I talked about. Rankin's someone that's mm. established in the team over the last few years and really sort of fits in and and serves their role and. Um, there's a lot of sort of other pressures on, whereas Sander Koenig is such a, such a greenhorn. He's, he's so new to it. You, mm. you forget because of how good he was, how dominant he was and um, how composed he was on the field too. You forget that he's, he's so new to it. Um, so my ranking has the sort of the little asterisk next to it that he is so young. He's so like he's so young and he's so new to it. Um, sort of played a, a season like this where, at the start of the season, we were super super happy about him. We thought he could, he could have a really good season. He could start really finding his feet. And then by like game three, probably like it didn't take long. He became that player that just you saw the golden mane to the you know out of your peripherals as the ball was traveling down, and you just kind of oh it's okay. He's there. We got it. It's fine. Like, that's crazy. Mm. That's like to to be at the level of um, security in his abilities, same level as we were with Tom Stewart, if not a little bit more, to be honest. Because Tom Tom Tommy Stewart had a couple of <laughs> couple of uh, brain fades this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. One one pretty major <laughs> one in particular. Um, but yeah, that's that's phenomenal. So I I have to give SDK an A plus for a young guy absolutely owning his role and wiping the floor with pretty much every superstar that was sent his way young up and coming superstars established superstars like you know it just it's just phenomenal but the asterisk next to it is this is an a plus for him right now i don't think this, he's hit his ceiling John, oh, like yeah, in in, yeah. in 3 years when i give him an yeah. a plus that will be a more impressive A plus than this one because he's going to be doing even more, in my opinion. I think he's going to uh, absolutely skyrocket. Um, you know, if he's done this with the limited amount of time that he's had, um, I think by no by no means has he sort of peaked. But I think if we're talking specifically what you can ask of a player at this point in their career, amongst a team like this with this much pressure, with this much riding on the line. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think you could ask any any more from him. So A plus, but uh, he's going to blow that out of the water in the future. Absolutely uh, love it, Sambo Johnny. You've more. done it. You've graded the players that you were assigned by the wheel of fate to grade. I have graded my players that I was assigned to grade. By the wheel of fate. These things and did you know happen. What else we've this achieved? Is right. <laughs> we have also 
reached the end of another episode of the Chat Chat Cats. Another one in the sexier new studio, um, which is nice. Um, uh, and another one into the off-season. I really thought you were going to say another one in the bag. And then when you got halfway through saying sexy, I thought I just my brain just filled in and assumed you were going to say another one in the sexy bag. And I was <laughs> I was glad that that's not where, <laughs> where that sentence went because I'm not entirely sure what another, you've been talking about. Another one in the danger oh. zone. Um, right. Danger zone. Make sure you go and follow us, Chap Chat Cats, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, consider subscribing if you like listening to the podcast. You might enjoy listening to it with your eyeballs over on the uh, Chap Chat Cats Patreon. The link is in the show notes. It's $3.50 US per month, which equates at about five to six bucks Australian, depending on the conversion rate. And you get video shows of all the podcasts and other bonus and extra content as we think of it, as we put it up for you. We'll be back. We'll be back at least with another podcast in seven days, maybe one beforehand, if we feel the spirit move us, chaps. Oh, who knows? The sky's the limit. Who knows what could happen? Wow. I mean, one extra podcast to live it. Maybe not the sky. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, Chaps Crew. Go Cats! Go Cats! Go Cats!